Today's episode is brought to you by ProductDevelopmentCoach.com, our favorite resource hub for developing custom branded products. Choose from offerings that meet your needs and pace from high quality manufacturer list to virtual workshops and programs. A true one-stop shop for streamlining your route to market for product manufacturing. ProductDevelopmentCoach.com is powered by Renovo Studio, which has helped brands from artists and influencers to luxury hospitality and nonprofit organizations create and expand product lines by way of trusted introductions to domestic and international manufacturing partners. You may have heard of a few from Blackberry Farm to ABC Bachelorette's Caitlin Bristow. These game-changing resources are available at productdevelopmentcoach.com plus clever tips by way of Instagram at productdevelopmentcoach. I know listeners will enjoy getting to know productdevelopmentcoach.com over these next few episodes as our June sponsor. Be sure to check them out. Hi everyone, I am Emily Landers, and this is How'd She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome everyone, welcome to today's episode of the podcast. Can you tell I'm excited? Can you tell this is a big day? Happy 100th episode, How'd She Do That? Honestly, you guys, I cannot believe that this day is here, that this episode is here. We have an incredible giveaway happening over on Instagram at How'd She Do That Podcast. Some very generous previous guests have come together to celebrate with you all, and it's just amazing. It's amazing to stay connected to our previous guests. It's amazing to see what this community of listeners and guests look like, and I'm so grateful. I'm so excited about all that's to come, even as early as this fall. I've been invited to do quite a few speaking engagements, and we're going to continue the momentum with today's 100th episode with Katie McClure of Mirth. I am so excited for you guys to continue to hear incredible episodes and conversations as we move forward into the summer and into the fall. And if you can believe it, we have episodes pretty much scheduled through the fall at this point. And I'm so grateful for your support. If you have not yet left a five-star review on iTunes, go ahead and do that. Let's celebrate 100 episodes. And if you've been thinking about potentially becoming a monthly supporter, today is a great day to do so to just ensure that we have these episodes ongoing. It's anchor.fm slash how'd she do that slash support you guys can give as little as I think 99 cents. $4.99 is the most popular option. And again, I share this um, in hopes of offering up an opportunity to partner with what we're doing and to ensure that these episodes continue. Like I said, we've got big plans through the end of the year. Pretty much we have guest episodes filled as well as sponsorships. If you are interested in sponsorships, do reach out, let us know. Um, It might be that there is a wait list for 2023. Can you guys believe it? We wouldn't be able to do any of this without you, without you listening, without you sharing with friends, without you coming back week and week, subscribing, 
all of that good stuff. It's all thanks to you. So happy 100th episode. How did she do that? Here is another incredible conversation. I know you all are going to enjoy today's episode. Here is Katie McClure on how did she do that? Today's guest, Katie McClure, is the co-founder of Mirth. Inspired by the makers and rich traditions of heritage textiles in India, Katie, together with her sister Erin, founded Mirth in 2016. Mirth is a line of ethically made women's wear with a mission to create effortless pieces that tell stories rooted in culture and global exploration. Upon graduating from the University of Texas, Katie pursued jobs in event planning, recruiting, and sales. It wasn't until she was at a crossroads in life, soul-searching in Southeast Asia, that her interest in fashion returned full circle when the idea came to her to start Mirth. Each collection designed in collaboration with ethically employed artisans is meant to be worn on holiday as easily at home, from the beach to dinner, from the seaside to the mountains, and everywhere in between. When Katie isn't working on new designs, traveling as often as she can, or working on upcoming collaborations, she is likely enjoying time with her family in Houston, Texas. Katie, welcome to How'd She Do That? Thanks so much, Emily. What a nice intro. Uh, Well, we have a lot to dig in. I mentioned a few elements about you, but I'm so excited to get to know you a little bit better. And I have to say, I am obsessed with with what you're doing with Mirth and your beautiful (laughs) pieces. Right off the bat, I have to tell you, it's beautiful. That's so incredibly nice of you. Um, it's definitely been a complete roller coaster to get to where we are today. I'm, I, you know, I could probably talk for six hours about it. Um, I won't do that to you, um, but thank you. That's so nice of you. Oh well, it's so true, and I, I kind of share that. Those of you who are listening, you might want to go ahead and check out Mirth. Go ahead and see the pieces we're going to be talking about today because it's incredible. I always love to have a visual um, as we dive in. Well, let's do so. I'd love to get to know you a little bit better. I mentioned where you went to school, ultimately University of Texas, but perhaps tell us about stepping out and recognizing that's where you wanted to go as well as what you majored in. Absolutely. Um, well, I grew up to te- I grew up with Texan parents, um, but not in Texas. I grew oh. up between West Virginia and Connecticut. So we were sort of the the southern transplants in these, you know, northern cities. So I always loved Texas, loved visiting, knew I probably wanted to to live here someday. Um, <laughs> and so that's why UT sort of came into the picture. Um, and and I, I wanted to do something different um, in the Northeast. Everyone, most people kind of stick to New England and I thought it would be a great adventure. Um to go to Texas. And they happen to have a great um, fashion program. Um, I majored in the business side of fashion, um, Mm -hmm. retail merchandising in the textiles and apparel department. Um, And uh, and it was great. It was was kind of a wild adventure. But but I will say, I mean, I think this is where my story probably differs from a a lot of founders that you have on the podcast in that I didn't do well in college. I didn't, I was, I was lost. It was a big school and I completely got lost in the shuffle. Mm. Um, you know, I learned a lot and, and UT was great, but I wasn't one of those go-getters who made excellent grades and was on top of everything and had all of these internships. 
I was still by senior year, like, what's going on? <laughs> I, just, like, <laughs> I just was a little bit slower to it. Um, and I think that's a great, you know, I like to tell people that I like to share that story of like starting a business um, isn't, you know, it's not too late. It's not just for people who always had it figured out and always were on their A game. Mm. Um, I think being being a little bit lost and exploring and trying out, you know, jobs that I maybe didn't like or feeling like everybody's doing it better than me. I think those were all good lessons to learn. You know, we can talk more about that. But um, but yeah, I, I graduated from UT and um, I went to New York and interned at Marc Jacobs, which was oh. so much fun um, and learned so much. That was really incredible. Um, and you, you lived in New York, I think. Okay, yes, right? yes. Yeah. It's it's always amazing to hear the overlap. So many guests who, you know, did that stint post-grad, myself included. It's it's a fun club to be in. But I just want to share, I love what you shared uh, right off the bat. Just, you know, the element of school feels like the biggest, you know, obstacle in the world in that age. And you think, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. this is, you know, if, if I'm not good at this, how am I ever going to, you know, do anything? How am I going to get hired? What does this look like? And I love that you would share that. I I felt the same. I, you know, grades were not my biggest element. I was so much more focused on what you shared, the exploration, you know, the exciting things about college and looking around. I think that's such a great encouragement for people. But tell us this, how did you ultimately land that first job out of school? Was that an internship or was that your first role? That was an internship. So, oh, wow. okay. Um, and and back in those days, you would fax your resume <laughs> to <laughs> designers and hope somebody picked that fax up off the <laughs> fax machine, which just like blows my mind still. Um, and then they would call you. So that's how it happened. Um, um, obviously, that's very different today. Um, but I, I really got a good taste for what it was like. But, um, you know, like you said, so I, I, I ended up going back to Texas and sort of felt like, okay, I have this degree. I don't know what there is to do in fashion in Texas. Hmm. I do have a lot of interests. Do I really know what I want to do? And I just sort of kind of took the first job that, that came, came along. I kind of, felt a little bit less, um, you know, targeted with, with this is what I want to do and I'm going to go after it and do it big. I was still kind of fumbling a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I, but I eventually, my first job was a, I was a catering coordinator, basically, oh. like basically an event planner, um, slash sales at a boutique hotel in oh, Houston. Wow. Oh, nice. Um, and you know, I learned so much and um, had a wonderful mentor there, um, Megan Ruby. And, um, but, but, you know, ultimately was not for me. And that kind of started a, you know, throughout my twenties, you know, a variety of jobs that I learned a lot, but they just weren't fulfilling. They weren't, Mm. you know, I was, I was, I always worked very hard and worked kind of crazy hours with no, you know, just for a paycheck, yeah. um, you know, and I definitely took pride in what I did. I, I was in recruiting for law firms and I worked with wonderful people and felt very fortunate to have, you know, these jobs, but they, they were completely unfulfilling. Um, it, you know, I, and it just, it just wasn't what I think I was meant to do. Um, but I didn't know what, 
Um, I knew at some point I decided to major in fashion back when I was, you know, 18 years old. Um, <laughs> but I just didn't, I couldn't really picture what that looked like. So I sort mm. of fumbled around through various jobs, just kind of trying to get through them. Mm. Um, and I don't want to get ahead of your questioning. Um, <laughs> but um, that led to, um, you know, years and years later, finding myself, um, I was living in Switzerland. Um, I was there, um, for personal reasons and, um, was newly divorced and it was quite sudden. I had no idea. What am I going to do? I didn't have a job at that time. Like, what do I do? Where do I go? Which was obviously terrifying, but the biggest blessing. Mm. Um, that was the catalyst for my life now and starting Mirth. Oh my gosh. Well, it's amazing to hear from someone like yourself who has started a business, a successful business, moving forward with mirth and all that you're doing. We'll dive into it. But to hear about the different, you know, chunks of time that you spent elsewhere in event planning, recruitment, sales. And I'm sure looking back, you could pick apart each little, you know, moment or lesson from those different entities. Um, and, and I would love to know, like, when you look back on that season of life, is there a theme that you take away from it? I mean, even in the searching and trying to figure out, you know, what is it that you were passionate about? What would be maybe your main takeaway or an encouragement for someone who's listening that's currently in that season? Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the jobs that I had that was wonderful, um, it was uh, a job I had in the time period when I was sort of thinking about starting Mirth, but hadn't hadn't jumped off that cliff yet. <laughs> um, I worked for this amazing creative ad agency in Austin called GSDNM, um, and I ran their intern program. It was so much fun, um, but I, I learned so much from the people there and the culture there. Um, one of their core values, um, which I think is really interesting, is restlessness. Mm. Um, and I thought so much about that. I would give tours of the agency. Um, and that was my favorite part is talking about these these core values that they had up on the wall. And restlessness sounds like a really strange core value, but it really means like be uncomfortable. Mm. Don't take the same route to work every day. Take a different route. Wow. Don't bring the same thing for lunch. Don't get into a or get into a routine, but then every once in a while do something that's totally against your routine. It's that restlessness that makes you, um, that leads to you, you finding a new and better way to do something, taking a step back. It's like the, it's like the, the stopping and smelling the flowers catalyst is wow. this idea of restlessness. And, um, you know, I think in my twenties, I got into this daily motion of just like going to my job, working crazy hours, doing it all over again, doing the same thing people did before me for years and years, you know, you just get in this routine and just like kind of the years, like kind of keep going by and it's like, what can you do to, to stop that? And think like, okay, like, this is my life. I can't go back to this. You know, yeah. I can't, I can't redo it. Um, you know, you know, what do you do to kind of think, make yourself think and make yourself switch paths and try a scary path or, um, you know, go after something. Maybe you know what it is. Maybe you don't know what it is. Maybe you need the time and clarity. Um, so I think that idea of restlessness is something to keep in mind all the time. Um, and I think a great way to do that is to travel. Uh, and I know that that's not the, and that's, that's the biggest theme I think in my life, the wow. best things for me have come from travel and it's not necessarily the, you know, 
the trip or the place necessarily, but it's more this idea of once you're out of your comfort zone, you're a little bit uncomfortable, you're hyper aware, you're paying yep. more attention to things around you, you're off of your phone, you're not just going through the motions. Wow. Like things come to you, the best things. Um, you, you learn from people, you learn from cultures, mm. but you're just like hyper aware and you kind of, I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've been traveling and just, and I do a lot of travel by myself. It's actually my favorite way to travel uh-huh. um, for that reason. And um, it's scary at first, but then you're like, oh, this is really cool. I can <laughs> do whatever I want to do. And it's just much more impactful on you um, oh. when you do it that way. Wow. Well, so well said. And you and I could have a whole separate uh, podcast about, <laughs> about right. traveling because uh, that's actually my one of my main entities. I do social media for luxury boutique hotels. So when you mention hospitality, I'm like, oh my goodness. But uh, but I know anyone listening, that they would agree. I mean, that's a theme within Mirth. It's a theme within your story. So let's pick it back up. I am so curious right. about the next step. So you're in Switzerland and you're looking ahead to figure out, okay, I've got to figure this out. I mean, I wonder what questions you might've had as you were thinking, okay, what's my next step? Um, what was your next step? What did that season of life look like? Well, I, at the encouragement of my wonderful friends in Switzerland, um, when I was sort of in this almost, almost not crisis mode, but like, what am I going to do with myself? (laughs) Um, they, I got on a plane to Bali like two days later and went to, uh, basically kind of a a yoga retreat in Bali. Um, (laughs) and I know that that's not doable for many people. And there are, I think other ways to, you know, do something similar, but I was fortunate enough that I could do that. I sort of great fair, you know, fair deal, believe it or not, two days, two days out. And, um, and it was just this beautiful time to go there to this. And I'd never really been to Asia before um, to, to be in this totally new place with people I did not know, you know, doing, you know, uh, yoga and breath work. And I, you know, met with the shaman and, you know, did all of these things. And but really, it was just this idea of just like, I'm, I'm starting from scratch. Like I yeah. can do anything like that, that, that mindset, that, that feeling I was sort of forced into it. Cause I think mm-hmm. I would have kept kind of going through the missions. Um, but it was almost like I had already been pushed off the cliff and I was kind of like, all right, well, I'm here off the cliff. Like <laughs> I, I, I can do anything. I think that fear of failure is why so many people don't start. But once you're already kind of one foot off, like, well, I mean, my life's all, twisted, turned upside down anyway, I might as well, you know, do go like, this is the time to go after something yeah. that I love. And I just, I just need to figure out what it is. Um, so when I was there towards the end of the trip, I was wandering around, um, shopping actually for caftans because I, I loved them. My sister got me hooked on them. She wore them constantly throughout her pregnancy and they're just, they're just easy. You don't have to suck it in. You can <laughs> put on a caftan with high heels. You can put on a caftan when you're at the beach. There's, they're so versatile. They're cool. You kind of look like you're not, you know, you're not trying too hard. It's kind of that chic, no fuss way of dressing. Um, but when I was shopping, they were all either see-through, mm. you know, like only for the beach or maybe very embellished and sparkly, which wasn't as much my style. So I thought, well, how cool would it be just to just to make captions, just, but like maybe this, the silhouettes are a little bit more tailored. Um, and then, 
and then as I kind of kept wandering around that day, um, I stumbled upon um, a workshop that was sort of hidden. You kind of had to find it and they were doing hand painted batiks Wow! and the fabrics were just stunning. They were gorgeous. Um, most of the fabrics you see in the markets there and on the street, I think are actually like digital printed and made in China. They're not actual batiks. Some of them are, but, um, but these fabrics were just stunning. And I was like, oh, how great would it be to find these really talented works, you know, people in these workshops. I know that there is heritage craft all over the world, making really special textiles that are really rooted in history and culture and have stories behind them. Um, you know, how great to, to work with these people, um, wow. create these beautiful fabrics and just put them on these caftans that I can't seem to find. <laughs> um, so that's kind of, that was really where it started, but it was really a click. And I remember going back to the pool, to the people I had gotten to know on the trip and being so excited to tell them about it. And, um, but then I didn't do anything about it for years, <laughs> <laughs> a couple of years. I sat on it because it's, I was wow. like, what am I going to start a brand? What am I going to like become a fat, like, come on, that's not realistic. Um, but there was like some, something in my head, someone, you know, something nagging at me like this is it like these incorp this incorporates everything you love everything you want to be doing um you know the idea was you're also kind of you know giving back to the community of the people making these fabrics you know not only in the work um but you know our currently mirth donates um to um to a charity um in that wow. area children's charity um so that that was kind of like combined all the things that I wanted. Like there was a, you know, clothing with a purpose is sort of one of the taglines we use. It incorporates travel, incorporates beautiful, artful textiles mm. and this like easy, comfortable way of dressing. Um, <sighs> and so fast forward a couple of years, it just wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't stop. I couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, <laughs> and so I kind of went on another <laughs> kind of longer trip. Um, I went to Nepal um, to do some volunteer work. Um, I just felt like I kind of needed that. Like I craved that clarity and that restlessness wow. that comes from traveling. Yep. Um, the adventure, the the um, being out of your comfort zone. I just knew I needed that to help give me some clarity on like, what, what do I do? Mm. What do I do next? Um, and my sister was meeting me in India after that trip. Um, and it was when I was in Nepal, um, I was kind of sifting through fabrics at a market and there was a tailor there and I was like, Hey, can you, can you make a caftan? Like, can I, if I explain <laughs> it, can you make it? Well, he did. It was terrible and it didn't fit, but it was like, Oh wait, I just, I just made a sample. Like this is, this is, this is a thing. I'm not starting a business. I just made this one sample. It was like these, this kind of little baby step of like, wait, maybe, maybe I could do this. Wow. And then as luck would have it, I have to be meeting my sister in India for a two week trip. And I got off the plane. We met each other. I was wearing this silly caftan. She, she got so excited seeing it. And I was like, Aaron, I'm going to do it. And I want you to do it with me. And I don't care if I lose all of my savings. I cannot continue. Like I will only regret not trying. We, I wow. just have to try it and I want you to do it with me. And she screamed yes. And so that trip sort of turned into how do we start this business? And of course, anyone who's been to India, have you been to India by chance? No, I have not. 
Okay. Um, it's just, I mean, it's a life-changing place. Wow. Um, that's a whole other podcast episode, I think. <laughs> um, but um, we we spent the trip just kind of telling everyone our ideas. And of course, everyone's like, oh, I know this person and I know this person and you wow. should do this. And it didn't lead to any real business relationships, but it at least got us so excited. We would just scour, you know, markets and um, um, shops for fabrics just to start learning about them and learning about the methods they use there. Um, and then we were, we had this amazing day in Jaipur and we had found all these amazing textiles. Um, and we, um, at the time there was like an ethical elephant ride sanctuary, <laughs> elephant sanctuary, oh. um, where they would basically rescue elephants, but you could go there and um, donate money and they do like one elephant ride per day. So it was like, it was an ethically, um, ethical elephant ride. Um, but we were like on top of this elephant at sunset outside of Jaipur in this like beautiful place in India. And we were just like, just could not stop laughing. We couldn't (laughs) believe like, oh my gosh, we like found our life's purpose. We're going (laughs) to do this and it's going to be amazing. Um, and that's actually how the name, we got the name. We were like, okay, how did we feel on that elephant ride? Like what are words to describe that? And that's mirth. So it's like this true happiness and joy and gaiety and oh. hilarity. And um, so that's kind of what, how we how we got the name too. Oh my gosh. Well, Katie, this is so much fun to unpack. And <laughs> as, a, as a sister of a, a twin, I have a twin sister, I am like absolutely loving the memory and thought of you guys in India and coming up with this name, the element of just pure bliss, joy, the excitement of adventure. I mean, to really unpack the stories behind the brand right now, I'm loving every second. So I just know over here, I'm like <laughs> smiling. I'm going to get off and really. plan my trip to India after this. Do it. Do like, it. Oh my gosh. I will help you plan oh, a trip to India. Oh so my gosh. We'll email put together to any anyone I know who ever goes. Okay, see, so so now, yeah, my husband's gonna be like, who who did you talk to today? Why are you doing this? <laughs> Where can I find yes, her? <laughs> but truly, truly, I mean, this is so cool. And to hear that, you know, you guys really were looking ahead, and you're like, okay, this is something that we're gonna do. So, what did it look like to get home? I guess from that trip. And think practically about getting samples or or finding patterns. Right. I mean, what what was the first step to move forward and and have you know elements to actually give? I mean, to have people purchase. Well, it was a long road after that. <laughs> yeah. And what year, um, by the way? What year was this trip? So I think that was 2014. Okay, and wow. we officially launched in 2016. Okay, so cool. I worked on it. Yeah, I mean, it was it was two years of working on it because. Um, you know, I think, I think it was great that we didn't know how, how, not how difficult it would be, but you know, it's not, it's not simple. Yes. Um, and I, so I, that shouldn't discourage anyone because the whole thing is an adventure and a learning curve and wonderful, but it's a total roller coaster. I mean, just full of ups and downs and problems and (laughs) problem solving and, going down one path and turning back around and going down another path. But that's, that's the fun of it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we got back and um, so it, our first step was to do a business plan um, just to help figure out like, okay, how, how do we do this? What do we even need to start thinking about? Wow. Um, I think my biggest mental hurdle was 
I don't know, for me thinking like, oh, I'm going to start and build a brand. That just is like, I would never do that. Like that just seems so hard and like such a big mountain to climb. But I think if you can just tell yourself, no, I'm just going to do baby stuff. Just, just this, this, like mentally, like I'm just doing a business plan. Like yeah. that's all. Or then I'm just going to see if we can get some samples that we like. That's um, all. Yes. Um, so for me, I had to break it apart and think like, I'm not necessarily going to do this, but I'm going to, you know, work part-time and then the other part-time work on just this. Mm. And then the business plan, as we were sort of putting it together and researching it, you kind of naturally start doing the actual work. It kind Mm. of just transitioned. You know, we had some great resource, you know, there's so many great resources and free resources out there. Mm. We met with, um, so the small business association has a sub, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, They have so many resources. They have a great business plan template. Oh, wow. And that's the one that we used. And they have a, a department that's called SCORE. It's the Service Corps of Retired Executives. So it's like retired lawyers and accountants and um, marketing people and, you know, experts in different fields who kind of just want to give back a little bit and love talking business and sharing their knowledge. And so for free, you can just make appointments with a mentor at oh. SCORE. And we did that a bunch. We met with a lawyer. Um, we attended like a small business, like getting started, like how to become an LLC workshop. But we actually met with a man. We, we thought we were meeting with him to figure out how to import. Um, but it turns out he did, he did a bunch of textile business in India. And he reached out to some of his contacts who put us and then eventually put us in touch with our current production office in Delhi, who we you know worked with this entire time. And they're wow. like family to us now. Oh yeah. my gosh. So you, just, you never know. And I know a lot of um, a lot of people on the podcast talk about this, just talking to people that's only going to help you. Yeah. Um, it, it can be hard, um, but the more you talk to people, you just never know what will come of that. Mm. Um, so that was that was really great. Um, so yeah, we just we we worked on the business plan, which turned into working on the actual business. You know, the research you know led to like, well, let me call this place and see like how do we you know get this, and then you're actually doing it and having the meeting, and so it just sort of sort of morphed from there. Oh my gosh. Well, and such great practical tools that you all used. I love the behind the scenes of growing the business and you answered all of the questions I had popping up in my mind so eloquently (laughs) and like, what did you know how to do a business plan? What business plan do you use? So I love that you guys were able to dive in in that unique way. So you then are connected to this textile um, Mm -hmm. expert and he's able to get you with the production team and you're moving Mm -hmm. forward. What was it like to have, and I know you guys originally started with caftans and you've since, I mean, you've grown and you have so many different, like a full line of women's wear, but what did it look like to get your hands on those first samples or did you order a batch? What did that even look like? Well, so we actually work locally with a pattern maker and sample maker. Oh, Um, nice. It's pretty, for us, it's too difficult to do too much sampling directly, you know, with our, with our factories. Um, Because, and I think this is another great lesson. Neither of us are trained fashion designers. We just kind of know what we want. And so much, so we have, we have an amazing pattern maker and sample maker here in Houston. And 
a huge part of our process. I mean, it's very old fashioned and very low tech. We do a lot of draping and we do a lot of, oh, that came out terrible. This is ridiculous. How can we fix it? And so that leads to ingenuity, like kind of like not really knowing what we're (laughs) not really knowing what we're doing and not, you know, you know, if you have like a perfect sketch and then, you know, perfect CAD, and then you turn it into that exact sample, you might not have this whole exploratory phase Mm. quite as, quite as much as you do when we're just like, okay, we want this, let's drape this, let's pin this. And like, that didn't work. Well, what if we just cut off that part and then add a ruffle there to cover that? And then, oh wait, this is kind of cool. Wait, when I was trying on and I pinched in here, that looked really cool. Let's do that. So it's a lot of just hands-on figuring it out, um, which is just so fun. And it's my favorite part of what we do when my sister and I are working together. Somehow we always get along when it comes to (laughs) designing, (laughs) not everything else. (laughs) Um, But that's just, that's one of the neatest parts. And so from there, so we do a lot of like reverse engineering of like, okay, this turned into this turned into this. Now let's go back and make a pattern for what we came up with. Um, and then, you know, and then we send tech packs to India um, for production. And then a lot of times the fabric will dictate it like, okay, this fabric is like draping totally differently than we thought it would. So then, and you know, we really want to feature like this motif that's here and here. So how can we make it so that there's a seam here to make the motif, you know, the, the, the fabric really does dictate um, what we do as well. But, but yeah, I mean, when we, when we finalized our first few pieces, it was very surreal. Um, I think you have a lot of those. It's, it's, it's easy because you're, you're so busy. The, the workload is just so massive and you're stressed out all the time. <laughs> It's really easy to forget what you're doing and like stick back, step step back and be like, oh, wait, we made this, we're doing this. People are wearing them. <laughs> like what, what? Um, <sighs> but yeah, that's, that was definitely one of those moments when we had samples and thought like, wow, we're really doing it. Oh, yeah. I mean, and again, just to see where you guys have stepped into now and all that you're doing, all of the beautiful pieces. And yeah, for you guys to not be trained designers, that's going to be something that's blowing my mind for the rest of the day because yeah. the, the, the pieces that you that you come up with, they're so elevated. They're so chic. I mean, I'm really, yeah, I, unpacking all of this is so much fun. It, it, it's just like, what? Really? nice of you to say well um, it's true it's true well that's so nice um but i think that's a you know there's different i think that's a good good you know lesson or mm. um you know bit of advice it's like there's different paths to everything you shouldn't see and i had a wonderful therapist who helped me get through this like you shouldn't it's really easy to get these roadblocks of like well i'm not trained in that yeah. i didn't go to school i'm gonna have to go back to school i'm gonna have to and i'm not saying <laughs> I mean, trust me, I wish I could go back and push pause and learn Photoshop and (laughs) like, you know, all these different little things and go back and learn about pattern grading. But, um, but there's a lot of, a lot of learning, a lot of figuring out, and there's just not one path to do it. Like Mm -hmm. just because you didn't take a certain path that most people take to do something doesn't mean that you can't do it. You probably have other skills and other areas of expertise Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, that might be even better and make you do something different. Mm. Um, you know, I think differentiation 
is always difficult. And I feel like we we come to it because we don't do things the right way. You know, I design yeah. block prints in PowerPoint and then wow. have the time we're there in person and you know the block you know we'll do the block wrong we'll do it upside down and then make it this way when you know when we're experimenting with our block printers um which is a, a, another just really fun one of one of the most i think exciting times is when we're there in person experimenting with them and working together on prints um and so we, we do it wrong and then it that's that's when we find something we love that oh. also might be a little bit different. Um, you know, even like the so at a block printer, they print the fabric on these big long tables using uh, these hand carved wooden blocks. Um, but the the fabric is fairly usually fairly thin. So on the table, they have like a base fabric, but it's cool because the ink will seep through, and then the the actual table the the fabric that's on the table that's not meant to be printed it's just there for function yeah has this like cool kind of pastelly like faded effect oh so oftentimes they'll be like oh wait we like that better than the actual <laughs> fabric we printed and it's oh. got printing from two different blocks that had you know been printed on top of it so like oh. how can we take that and do something cool with it oh so you know the, the low tech like imperfect way of doing things might lead to wonderful things. So I think don't be scared off if you don't have all the proper tools and education. Oh, it, it, all of it. All of it is such a good reminder, a great reminder, or perhaps some people are hearing this for the first time, but I couldn't agree more. You're figuring it out <laughs> as you go. And you guys are stepping in, creating amazing pieces, beautiful pieces. And I, the word I just wrote down is innovation. You guys are really innovative in the way that you're seeing things, pinning things, designing things. But I'd love to know at what point did you and Aaron kind of look at each other and say, okay, we have customers and we are going to keep doing this. What was that like? <laughs> mm. You know, we um, were very lucky towards the beginning of starting that we, we were put in touch with um, a wholesale rep um, who's based in LA and we oh. are still with him today. Bobby St. Carrie. And I think when we had like a rep and like our clothes, so he sent a photo of all of our first samples, like hanging in the showroom in the Cooper design building in LA. Uh -huh. And that was really before we even had launched online. And we were like, holy cow, this is happening. <laughs> and then um, they repped other brands at the time. And um, anthropology happened to be the next day. So we sent our first samples, they were hanging there. The next day, Anthropology happened to be there looking at another brand. And then they said, wait, what's that? We want that. And so then we got one of our first orders ever was from Anthropology, And that that was a huge wow moment. Um, and we, I mean, it was just kind of luck. I think, oh, my gosh. How a lot of things happen. Um, but that was when we were like, okay, I think I think we're doing this. Um, yeah. And then we're like, oh, no, we need to start designing now for our next season. We're already behind. Oh, um, my God. That was really exciting. Yeah, I'll say. I mean, good grief. That I had no idea that was going to be your answer. That's amazing, Katie. <laughs> I'm like, that is so fun. Yeah, I think when Anthropology purchased your line, um, you realize you have customers. Oh, my God. 
gosh. Uh, how that was really fun. Oh my gosh. Yes. How fun. So so wow. I mean, right off the bat, you guys are looking at wholesale. You're starting to take inventory. Is there a point that you are actually having inventory at your home and you're shipping out that way? Or, or was it straight to wholesale? Oh. What did that kind of look like? Oh, let me tell you. My home <laughs> life for several years, I lived in a warehouse. Um <laughs> It was, and, and look, our production hasn't always been perfect. One of our very first, one of our fir- first factory, like first run, you know, we only worked with them very briefly. Um, we later discovered when they were inspecting, they would hold up the dress and someone was constantly mopping the floors because it gets really dusty and it's like, you know, they're open windows. But when they would mop the floors of the dust, they were really kind of just rubbing the dust around. So it was almost like there was like a thin layer of mud on the floor. (sighs) So they'd hold up the sample as they were folding it to put it in the the poly bag to ship it. And it would, it would dust against the floor. Oh my gosh. And yeah. So then, because we couldn't figure out why we had in all of these, dresses that had like a little line of brown oh my gosh and it was when i visited that i said well there you go and that's why so not only were all these factories but we i mean uh, warehouses but we would have to you know clean some of these some of them were obviously not cleanable or you know maybe this perspective wasn't great about like clipping clipping the yarns um and with anthropology we'd already We'd already produced everything, so we had to like attach all the swing tickets, hang tags, and re-poly bag them. And we had my dad, my mom and dad working, oh. I mean, folding things up and re-tagging them. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, I mean, like any small brand, like you start out at your home. Um, there was one point when it was, I, I lived in like a very small place, and we had a little tunnel of boxes from the couch to the TV, so we could see the TV. <laughs> And then there was a tunnel to the kitchen, and otherwise it was up above your heads, just boxes. And that's how I lived for a long time. <laughs> um, so it was it was it was totally life changing. Um, you know, when we finally got our first studio, which was teeny tiny, but that was that was huge. Um, and it took us a long time. I mean, we went a lot slower, I think, than a lot of brands. I. Yeah was really, um, we're very DIY. Um, we didn't hire a bunch of people to do everything. I, we have not had you know, no help with our website or, uh, wow. you know, we, we do so much, I've always done so much ourselves. And that's definitely a, a piece of advice that I give so many people starting out. Mm. Um, try it out yourself. You can watch a YouTube video on how to do something, Just oh. figure it out, do it yourself save the money. You don't need to be spending money on like nice furniture. If you know, you, you, you get your first studio when you literally can't function as a business anymore without it. Um, yeah. I, I think just doing it yourself, figuring it out is was really important because cash flow is, you know, I think one of the biggest hurdles to any 
start you know young business gosh yes oh my gosh well to to start at the beginning and then again to know where you are now full line of women's wear as well as home textiles you guys have stepped into so many different entities uh, can you tell us at what point did you guys decide to step into the home category? Because I know that's that's quite a leap from the original days of caftans. But what did it look like to say, okay, I think we're ready to jump into this space as well? Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to the idea of you know we we didn't necessarily start this business just to start a business. Yeah. Like we did it for the personal exploration, the personal creativity, among other things. But um, I think we will always have that desire to test new waters and, and do something different and explore something different. Um, mm. And our, and we listen to our customers too. Our customers um, have been had been asking for tabletop, oh. um, and that was something you know we have lots of requests for lots of different categories and things, but and often they require a lot of resources. Um, but home textiles was something that was doable for us and. One thing that in our you know our factories are already familiar. One thing that's really great is that we can use you know if we have fabric that was you know we had surplus fabric from a dress or um, something like for example once we we had some fabric that was slightly heavier than what we ordered and they didn't catch it until after it had been printed. So we had all this lovely printed fabric that we couldn't use for the particular dress that it was made for. So we repurpose those into napkins. Um, oh, so it's a great wow. way to kind of use like excess fabric without it going to waste. Um, and we just love the idea of like bringing, you know, the textiles are what's so important to us. Yeah. And um, the majority of them we design ourselves. They're, they're you know, custom made for us. And so it only made sense to bring a little mirth to your home and to your, to your dinner table. Oh, um, my. I also, and I just, I, I just, you know, there's a personal, just, I like to entertain and I like, you know, having interesting textiles in my home. And so there's just a personal level there <laughs> of, um, of like, well, I want some cute cocktail napkins. That's been really fun. Yes. And I love that. I love that there's so many personal touches to mirth and to all that you guys have done. I, I really, I could feel like I could talk to you for Ever because there's so many different <laughs> themes that I want you to continue to unpack, travel, culture, textiles, you know, exploring innovation. Uh, those are the same themes of the conversation. It's been so incredible to hear. Uh, I want to let you know, I, I have a question. It's, it's a little bit of a loaded question. So I always preface that okay. for guests, <laughs> but Great. I would love to know, uh, just thinking back on things, what would you say is maybe the greatest lesson that you have learned? I mean, I've learned a lot of lessons. Um, <laughs> I could probably, if I really thought about it, come up with plenty. But you know, I think, I think it's really hard for me. I'm a textbook introvert, and so putting wow. yourself out there is really hard. I mean, that comes, you know, social media, for example. We get so much more um, interaction with our customers when we post something of ourselves instead of like on a model, for example. <laughs> um, and that's really hard for me. Uh, another example is my sister went to a book signing when we, very, when we first started wearing one of our first first caftans. She went to book signing um, that Gwyneth Paltrow was doing. And our dream was to be on Goop. Um, that was like our, one of our like, we know we've 
like accomplished our goal if we ever get to be sold on Goop. And um, she went to a book signing and like came up to Gwyneth wearing her mirth. And Gwen actually said to her, oh, have we met before? I feel like we know each other. And they hadn't. And then she, I think she complimented what she was wearing. And she said, and my sister said, well, I started this caftan line with my sister and like had her whole spiel. And Gwyneth gave her her email address and said, email me, you should be on Goop. <laughs> and I spent, I know, and I spent two days crafting like a two sentence email. Yeah. I mean, I just like, Oh my gosh. I was, I mean, I was like, my heart was racing when I hit sent. Like I spent so much time on this. She replied back like immediately. This really sweet email connected us to her buyer for Goop. And now at this point, Goop is our our biggest customer. Um, We do exclusives for them. Um, We've been working with them for years. But if she hadn't gone up to her and been like, hi, I'm Erin. I do this (laughs) captain line with my sister, you know, that, that, that wouldn't have happened. So I think really putting yourself out there, it's so hard, but you just have, you just have to do it. Oh my gosh. Well, and can I just say, I would have never guessed that you're a textbook introvert from today's conversation Uh. because (laughs) it's just been so amazing and you've been so open and and honest with, gosh, your experience in starting Mirth and Erin, I know you're listening. Congrats on all of the success and well done modeling for Gwyneth. That went well for you, Erin. <laughs> she's really, she's really good at that kind of thing. Oh. And also, she just has, she has the best style. I emulated her style all of my life. I stole mm. all of her clothes when I was in middle school and she was oh. in high school, and we have huge fights about it. Um, <laughs> but thankfully, that all went somewhere. <laughs> I'll say it did. Oh my gosh. Well, it's just so fun. And, and the sisterhood, there, there's just so many uh, elements woven into today's conversation that I'm going to be taking away and thinking about more. And, and one thing I'm really curious to know, because I know you guys always have something coming up, whether it's uh, something new with Goop or perhaps a new collaboration. What do you guys have coming up next? What's next for you? We have we definitely have some fun things in store. I'm so excited that we finally, after a couple of years, we are exploring a new country. We are launching knitwear using Peruvian alpaca. Wow. Um, so that will launch this fall. And we've got a great team there. The um, yarns are beautiful. We've got you know sweaters with really beautiful hand knit or hand crocheted embellishments. And we just can't wait. You know, we love telling the story of the people who have made the clothing. Mm, Um, There's, you know, cultural history, the people who actually made them. And we can't wait to tell the story of Peru that has such a rich tradition with knitting and wool. And that's going to be really exciting for us. And then, and we're off to... Mallorca um, in August to shoot our spring campaign. And so we're really excited about that too, to finally get to travel more again and, um, uh, and, and go do some of these fun trips that are, I think, really important also to, to showcase the the clothing and the textiles. Well, it all goes hand in hand. So well said and so fun to hear that Mirth is going to be jumping on a plane and taking us places that we'd love to go with all of your beautiful pieces. Oh my gosh, Katie, this has been so much fun. Is there anything we didn't cover that you'd like to? Oh, it's been so much fun for me too. We have, we've covered so much. I think, you know, I'd love to, you know, 
tell probably a little bit more about the people we work with in India, because they're really the ones who Mm. are responsible for the product. We work with several artisan groups throughout the country. So, so a lot of the, the methods that we use for the textiles are specific to a region. So we have, for example, a group that we work with outside of Calcutta in West Bengal, who are known for this really special hand-loomed, it's called hand-loomed jamdani. And it's where, so like the entire, you know, the fabric is made without any electricity. It's on this giant wooden hand-loom, usually in the home of a weaver. Um, And the entire community, these are rural villages, is involved in some way, whether it's prepping the yarns, starching the yarns in the streets to prep them to go onto the loom, setting the loom, which takes several days. Um, And the um, the weavers, um, you know, the loom is powered just by their feet. um, Wow. Little levers down below. And so while they're weaving the fabric, they're actually taking a needle and thread and weaving in the motif so like if it's like triangles and lines or um you know they're weaving that in with a needle and thread while it's on the loom while they're weaving the fabric and it's just this amazing art Mm. um and and the result is just like you you can't replicate it by machine um Mm. and it's so 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 crazy soft it's light as air they say that's the term for it um it's just really really beautiful um and so it's so cool kind of to see these different methods from from different parts of the country and to kind of feature you know what they do and what they've been doing for you know hundreds and hundreds of years Mm -hmm. um you know we work with um an all-women group of weavers in central india and this is such a great such a great um uh co-op basically um of women they provide education and training and child care and it's just a really a wonderful group um, because, you know, often in these rural regions, there's not a lot of work. Mm. And so people often have to leave their families to go into the city or do really grueling and low paying construction work. Um, so, you know, there's this element of A, you're providing work that often people can do from home mm. um, and it's consistent and they can stay at home and stay with their families and practice this, this, this craft that's been around forever and so it's sort of keeping that tradition alive because it really is dying because it is more expensive Mm. obviously these fabrics but they're just so beautiful you know we work with a family of block printers and outside of jaipur and they're like family and i whatsapp with deepak every single day (laughs) (laughs) i love technology so we can be in like really close touch with with the these people, really talented people that we work with, which is really cool. Mm. Um, and then we do all of our stitching in Delhi, but we just have such a great team in India. Mm. So I can't not mention all of these people. You know, I hope we can do them justice yeah. and showcase their craft because they're really the ones who are responsible for everything. Oh, well, it, it's amazing. And as as crazy as it seems, really, when we connect with Mirth and, and when Mirth connects with us, your customers, and we're able to see these pieces and to think about the actual people that not only are we providing jobs and roles for, but they're doing this. And, and like you said, they're, they don't have to go into town. They don't have to leave their family and they can continue these amazing traditions that are so rooted in their culture. I mean, bravo to you guys for being able to bring this to us and just 
what a, I mean, I don't know. I think one of the coolest things that I've experienced from the podcast is thinking more seriously about who am I purchasing from? You know, where is my money going? Who mm-hmm. Who's behind it? And wh- whose pocket is it going into? Is it going into families like like these, these women? And, and what what's behind all of this? So it's just such an incredible reminder. Or perhaps for the first time, maybe start thinking about that. You know, dig in, check out Mirth a little bit more, you guys, and see, okay, where's my money going? Think about it. Think about it a little bit. Because to actually say, wow, this textile was made by X, Y, and Z, Katie can tell us, Aaron can tell us. Um, I think that's something that people are recognizing is important and something that they want to be a part of. So thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to kind of reintroduce us to your entire team, which is all Uh around the world. Well, thank you. Yeah, I hope we can bring a more thoughtful approach to dressing. Um, You know, we're sort of anti-fast fashion. I think hopefully our pieces um, you know, can stay in, in closets for years and years and years. That's the idea. Yeah. Um, we get a lot of moms and daughters who both wear mirth and, um, I think that is so cool. And then you can kind of share and swap yes. and, um, you know, keep them for a long time. Mm, um, so cool. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so, I mean, all of it, I, I'm just connecting so many dots and I, I was already obsessed with mirth, but now I'm like, yes, absolutely. Oh, oh, it's so true. Yeah. It's it's so tr- no, it's so true, and and I find too, it's amazing to hear just, uh, yeah, your ability and and willingness and hope to connect people. I know that's a theme within your story, um, and so I'd love to know who do you know that should maybe come on and share their story with me. Uh, well, I I'm fortunate to work with so many so many interesting people. The first, I can say the first two that come to mind, um, Catherine Humphreys, she's helped us with PR and marketing and communications. She kind of fills in wherever we need help. And she, um, she also has a um, consulting business called the All You Need Method. So she would be great to talk to. Yeah. And then Alex Yeski, she, I actually followed her blog. She was one of the first and back when it was just a blogger, not an influencer, right? <laughs> yeah. A blog years and years. I mean, long before we even started Mirth and just thought, shot, thought she was the coolest and then randomly got connected to her for um, graphic design, you know, after we started Mirth. And now she she helps us with graphic design, creative direction for shoot. She does all sorts of creative things and now is actually into interior design. She's LA based, but she's wonderful. And I think both of them would be so fascinating to talk to. Oh, amazing. Well, thank you for both of those awesome recommendations. You all will have to stay tuned for a potential episode with Catherine and Alex. And Katie, I know many have already looked you up. I'm sure many of you are actually on Merce website, checking out all the beautiful pieces, but where can listeners connect with you? Well, Instagram is a great place. Shop Mirth. And uh, our website is mirthcaptains.com. Soon to be changing to shopmirth.com, but oh. I won't confuse everyone. <laughs> mirthcaptains.com. Um, and yeah, we put a lot of a lot of behind the scenes, a lot of um, photos of the, the fabrics being made, which is always just kind of mind blowing to see like, wow, someone is like, you know, you know, washing the, the fabric in a tub in a field with their feet oh and that's going to become this dress that's hanging in my closet. It's kind of mind-blowing, but it's always really cool to see. Oh, yes. Well, you all will have to check it out. And Katie, I cannot thank you enough for your time today. This was so much fun. Thank you for joining me. Emily, it was such a pleasure. It was so fun.
Thank you all for listening to our 100th episode brought to you by Product Development Coach. I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. We hope you'll join us next Tuesday for a new episode. We will talk to you soon.